Welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast. We're on episode 81. This is part three, Leadership Practices, my top 10 list. Welcome to Intentional Leaders. This podcast is not just for leaders, rather for anyone who wants to make an impact on the world, professionally or personally. My passion and purpose is to provide tips, tools, and resources that I've learned throughout my career, working with large and small organizations, profit and non, and also as an entrepreneur. I've had the joy to teach thousands of individuals who, like you, are trying to navigate this crazy and complex world. So here's to doing that successfully and intentionally. Well, welcome back. I wonder if during these three episodes, you've been thinking of what your top leadership practices are. What would you add to this list? I would be thrilled and so curious to know, because this list is really just a reflection back on successes and mistakes and challenges that not only I have experienced over the several decades that I've been working in organizations, but also in coaching managers and leaders and the things that have been challenging for them. And what I've observed and also heard about things that are challenging, either interpersonally or from a business perspective. My top 10 leadership practices are really a culmination of the things that, again, in hindsight, I wish I would have focused more on back when I started leading and managing people. And I hope for you, you can take away some nuggets from this whole series. We're going to continue today with our last three leadership practices, but I just want to briefly go over that top 10 list. One is about goals and expectations. Two is self-management. Three, accountability. Four, your mindset. Five, assertiveness. Six, feedback. Seven, collaboration. Eight is problem-solving and decision-making. Nine, cognitive biases. And number 10 is learning. Today, we're going to focus on eight nine, and 10. And we're going to start with problem solving and decision making. I think I've shared this story before that I was asked to teach at Madison College at one point, a class that was called Topics in Tactical Management. And I thought, ooh, that sounds fun. I have no idea what it is, but it's going to be awesome. And then having seen the curriculum, it was all about problem solving, decision making, critical thinking, and all of this learning about processes that would help with critical thinking and problem solving. And I was like, oh my goodness, seriously, this is uh, um oh, well, boring, I don't know, <laughs> challenging. Um, and I had never up until that point really thought about those practices and what a significant effect they have on how we lead or manage or even how we influence people and gain credibility. And what I very quickly learned was that problem solving and decision making were not just processes, but they were good, healthy practices. And that if we follow certain ways of problem solving, we can be a good role model for that. We can also increase the effectiveness of our problem solving efforts. And we can do all of these things more collaboratively. Because I think sometimes as leaders, we feel like we have to solve all the problems of the world, that people come to us and that's part of our job. Or part of our job is to make all those tough decisions. And Absolutely, decision-making and problem-solving is a part of your job, but if you are making all those decisions, if you are doing all that, what are you teaching others? 
And are you coaching them to solve problems effectively and constructively? And are you helping them to understand what good decision-making is all about? That class in particular and teaching that class really changed my mindset forever on the importance of problem-solving and decision-making, but also about improving it as a discipline. And all of the things that I've learned about good critical thinking that challenge us day-to-day about the pausing, the considering facts and data and evidence, and not making all kinds of assumptions when we are solving those problems or making those decisions. This is an area that I love teaching, I love talking about, and this is a practice that I think differentiates great leaders and managers is that they not only use a consistent process and practice, they help people around them to do the same thing. And I think that's a very, very powerful strategy, which ties into number nine, which is all about cognitive biases. And again, I love thinking and reflecting on biases because they are everywhere. They affect us every day, most of the time without our awareness or knowledge. And a cognitive bias is a type of error in our thinking that occurs when we're processing and interpreting information in the world around us. And do you know what? There are over 200 types of cognitive biases. When I started studying this, I thought, holy smokes, why even get out of bed? Because my brain is just going to derail me endlessly. And I really wanted to dig into this topic. This affects so much of how we lead, how we navigate through life, because it absolutely connects to problem-solving decision-making. It also impacts us with diversity, equity, inclusion, all of the strategies right now that are so important in being inclusive and creating belonging in the workplace. When I look at my bookcase right now, I look at <laughs> this stack of books. Here are a few of them that were awesome reads. One is called Blind Spot, Everyday Bias, The Mindful Brain, The Invisible Gorilla, Mindfulness, On Being Certain, Triggers, And then the last one I just read was called Unlocking Leadership Mind Traps, and that was also awesome. But I look at all of these books and all of these things that I have learned about how our brain works, and that efficiency causes us to be less reflective and less aware of what we're doing and how we're navigating through the world. This area, I would encourage you, if you haven't done a lot of work on biases, think about how you can do some reading on it. Check out a couple of those books that I mentioned because this area is significant. It affects you every single day. And anyone who says, I am not biased, is 100% wrong. That is really important for us to know. All right, the last leadership practice is about learning. And I think about this as having a growth mindset and being in the practice of learning on a continuous basis, not just for you, but you encourage those around you to do the same. I consider myself a lifelong learner, but in the last few years, I think I've tackled some of the biggest learning challenges that I've encountered in decades, meaning butt-kicking, crying, swearing learning challenges. (laughs) These by far have been the best ones. Why? Because although they felt really awful sometimes in the process, 
the outcomes were transformative. I think about this podcast as an example. I was hell-bent on doing a podcast, and then I thought of all the things I had to learn in order to do this, and it was stinking hard. It was hard to learn the technology. It was hard to understand how to edit, what I should even talk about, how to do all the things, how to get music. I was like overwhelmed. And I don't think I'll ever forget the first weekend when I was launching that very first podcast or even my trailer for the podcast. And I went upstairs and talked to Brad, my husband. And I was like, I can't do this. And I, I was crying <laughs> because I thought like, this is so hard. And then I was like, gosh, Cindy, there are like a bazillion people out there doing podcasts that are figuring this out. This isn't that hard, is it? I felt the same thing during my coaching certification, which was so cognitively challenging. Also, it was challenging in changing how I did something that I had been doing for many, many years, which was coaching, but I was coaching in a different way. And that freaked me out. And I do remember, I even remember talking to my mom and thinking, oh my gosh, mom, I don't know how I'm doing this. And she's like, why don't you just quit? I'm like, I can't quit because of course that's not how I roll. But I do remember, well, I think I cried then again. Apparently under stress, I weep. That's an interesting insight. But anyway, we all handle stress differently, don't we? I think about learning and what I realized is I tended to do a lot of fun learning. And what I mean by that, like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to know more about this or that? It was really more incremental learning, learning that was interesting, but not necessarily oriented to a big gap I had, meaning it might deepen the knowledge and skills I already had, which is incrementally valuable, of course, but not necessarily transformative, like giving me new capabilities or new capacity, like in my coaching certification, or like learning the podcasting. I also hired a marketing coach at one point because I thought, I don't know anything about marketing. And that similarly kicked my butt. So I feel like the things that are more transformative, and maybe it's because I've reached this certain point of my life where I've been in this business for a while, that I really have to push myself hard to transform instead of just going a little deeper in a subject matter that I already know. And those opportunities that I look at in the last probably three or four years have been life-changing for me. And I keep thinking, what is next? So now I focus on bigger gaps, the big hard gaps where I have no idea what I'm doing or how to do it. And the things that I think, how can I learn that? Like, I can't do that, can I? And those are the ones that right now I lean into. And I think that's really interesting because when you think, what could you learn that would transform your overall effectiveness or dramatically improve how you're doing things? Something that if you learned would truly help you achieve your personal and professional goals, those are the things that probably make you anxious, probably make you a little scared or maybe a little bit uncertain. Those are the ones to explore and realize that there is going to be discomfort in that. There's going to be vulnerability in that. But for me, the vulnerable discomfort 
in learning is, I think, the most powerful. In that process of learning, it's going to be hard. And as adults, we don't like that, right? We, we think at some point we should be mastering all these things and that we should know how to do some of these practices. But I think that's also the difference between a fixed and growth mindset is, and I talked about that in one of my very first podcasts, the difference between just labeling yourself and saying, I'm not very good at that versus really leaning into some of those areas that could be really challenging and also the most transformative. I absolutely think that is a differentiator with leaders that I have worked with, leaders that I coach, because the leaders that I coach want to grow. And I love that about every single one of them. All right, my friends, I have gone through now this top 10 list. And as I mentioned at the beginning of each of these podcasts, these are the practices that I have seen differentiate good leaders and great leaders. And what you'll notice is I'm not talking about people's technical knowledge. I'm not talking about their knowledge of their business. What I'm talking about in these leadership practices are some of the soft skills or even thinking about our brain in a different way, thinking about learning, thinking about how we navigate through life. And those are the things that I really find fascinating interesting and that differentiate super amazing leaders that have a profound impact on not just the people they work with or the business that they operate in, but on the universe as well. Have you checked out our public monthly workshop? I've got some great sessions out there. Two jam-packed hours of learning, growth, and development, and some great tools and takeaways. Check it out at www.intentionalleaders.com. There's only one L in the middle of our name.